Hey everyone, this is Mark Perry, the founder of Built Lean, and today I have a very special guest with me, Strauss Zelnick. And Strauss is the CEO of Take-Two Interactive, which is a multi-billion dollar gaming company and uh, that has produced Grand Theft Auto, NBA 2K, Civilization, among other blockbuster media properties. He's also the chairman of Zelnick Media, which invests in a portfolio of media companies, Believe it or not, Strauss actually has a life outside of work. He's a father of three kids and has been married for almost 30 years. He currently resides in New York City. Uh, Strauss has become a living legend, not only for his business acumen, he was president of 20th Century uh, Fox at just 28 years old, but his brutally intense training regimen that includes 10 to 12 workouts a week. He's 61 years old and looks amazing for his age and just released a book called Becoming Ageless, the Four Secrets to Looking and Feeling Younger Than Ever. It's available on Amazon, and the book is already a number one bestseller. Uh, I first connected with Strauss over two years ago. It turns out Strauss was getting the Beltling newsletter, and we've done many workouts together since then, so I know he's the real deal for sure. So with that said, thank you so much for joining us today, Strauss. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's get started with your background. Uh, you know, were you always into fitness growing up? Not so much. I mean, I, I, in many ways, I was. I really defined myself as a student growing up. I, I, I liked school and I worked hard in school and did pretty well in school. Um, I, I didn't play contact sports. My, my parents thought they weren't refined. Um, I, I played tennis, not particularly well. I ran and I was a skinny kid. So in my early teens, I started lifting weights. Um, but I was so skinny then they didn't have much of an effect on me. So that, that was kind of it. I, 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 um, I did all the activities that, that any kid does, but I didn't play organized sports. And I certainly didn't define myself as an athlete. All right. So how did you become so passionate, I guess, interested in health? I mean, was it like a, was it like a spark? Was it like a, a progression? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it, it, initially it was, I was in grad school and I was, I was hanging out with a close friend and he, we were just like sitting in his room drinking beer. And he said to me, uh, Hey, you have a paunch. And I, I, I said, no, I'm, I've always been skinny. I'm skinny. I don't have a paunch. He said, well, you say that, but look down. I looked down. I was like, wow, that really, that is a paunch. And I, the next day I decided I better start picking up some exercise. Uh, that was the first motivation. Um, and, and it gradually built from there into something that's really become a passion. Fantastic. And uh, I th let's kind of switch to exercise for a second. Uh, I think in the Becoming Ageless book, you say something that is typically not associated with working out, which is, you know, be gentle on your body. Like, what do you mean by that? And, and why is it important? Well, most fitness magazines and books, um, you know, make make promises like, you know, get your beach body in four weeks, washboard right. abs overnight, you know, the right. best four minute workout. Um, and and there the, the promise offers people something that really isn't attainable um, and, and runs the risk actually of being counterproductive. If you if you say to someone, look do this impossible task incredibly intensely every day uh, for 90 days. And then you'll look, you know, like a fitness model. First of all, it's not true. Secondly, most people just, just can't do it. 
Um, and and what I what I prefer is kind of the way I got into it, which is the day after the uh, the fateful conversation I just described. I didn't run over to the gym and do a one hour workout, you know, with weights. I wouldn't have even known how to do that. Right. I had the presence of mind to just start doing some sit ups and some push ups, and I got a chin up bar and did some pull ups at home. I don't think I spent more than ten minutes a day doing it. I think I did it two or three days a week. Um, that was what I started with. That was uh, and and by starting so gently, I didn't see any results incidentally because how how could you? By starting so gently. I eased my body into it and then my mind followed. And that's that's essentially what I recommend. If, if you're carrying extra weight and you haven't been to the gym for 20 years, I don't recommend you go to the gym tomorrow. I recommend you take a walk tomorrow, maybe take a 15-minute walk, maybe not even a brisk walk, and then maybe do it again the next day. Um, ask yourself to take a walk a few days a week. And don't do any more than that for a few weeks. That becomes your induction. And then slowly add on to that. And when people say, and they do, no, 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 I want, I want results more quickly. You know, my response is, look, you, you didn't get into the shape you're in now overnight. Um, you, you may just have to be a little bit patient. And by making it a gentle entry into a new lifestyle, um, it's not jarring. It's not unpleasant. After all, walking is nice. You walk with someone else. That's pleasant. Um, you can pick gentle activities you enjoy. And, um, and your mind will come along. I really appreciate that. And I think the idea of being gentle and progression are just so massively important for success in, you know, getting a lean and healthy body. So I really appreciate that. Also, Mark, um, your, Mark your workouts, if you think about it, when you, in your built lean program, which is a really smart program, thank you. You, do, you do not say to people, you know, get some heavy weights, you know, bring me into the gym with you and train six days a week with heavy weights for an hour a day. To the contrary, your, your first program is essentially three workouts at a week, a week, yep, absolutely. roughly a half an hour. And you and I both know that if you combine that with a healthy diet, you will get great results, they, but they will not occur overnight. Oh, incidentally, even if you go to the gym six days a week for an hour a day, you're still not getting overnight results. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really well said and I appreciate the thoughts on, on the on the program. And um, do you do you have any general thoughts to share on strength training for kind of looking and feeling younger? Well, and you said it yourself, you said strength training. And if you if you want to look younger, and my book really isn't about looking younger. Right. I mean it's flatter, it's flattering if people say that you look younger once you're old, which I am. Um, but the truth is it really isn't about looking younger, it's about looking your best. Right. But if you do if you do want to look younger, then one of the things that makes us look older is carrying extra weight. And the other thing that makes us look older is bad posture. And, it, and you can address both by doing, in addition to moderate cardio, uh, by doing weight-bearing exercise. Weight-bearing exercise keeps your bones strong, your skeletal system strong. It therefore will allow you to maintain a more youthful posture. And weight-bearing exercise combined with a healthy moderate diet with with some cardio exercise will allow you to lose weight at a slow rate over a long period of time, not at a rapid clip. Um, if people think I look younger and, and it's tempting to flatter oneself, I try really hard not to. It would be because, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same weight that I was when I was 30 years old and I stand up straight. Well said. 
Um, and I, I had one more question about kind of the, the exercise and kind of mindset as well. But, uh, you know, in the book, which, you know, I, I'm obviously a fan of, uh, you know, you say that my mind and body operate better when I have a workout heavy routine. What do you mean by that? Exercise for me is a, is a drug that keeps everything in my life humming along more effectively. And that's, and, and that's true for you as well, as, of course. And, you know, I, I don't drink and I, I don't put anything else in my body. I'm trying to eat right, but I certainly don't even do that perfectly. Um, nowhere near as perfectly as you do, for example. But I find that, you know, exercise is the fuel that makes me feel energetic and, um, and, at, and at my best. And there's a lot of evidence that exercise can release endorphins or sort of internal opiates into your system. I don't know enough about the physiology to know if that's true or not. I will say that, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a runner, although I do run. But if you've heard of a runner's high, I probably get, you know, an exerciser's high. I love it. We both love exercising. So I appreciate that, uh, that answer. And so let's, uh, let's kind of shift to nutrition a little bit. Um, can you give an overview of the eating plan you recommend that works well for you? Well, I'll, I'll paraphrase, um, my doctor and friend, Peter Atia. There are probably three things you should stay away from, um, alcohol, sugar, and refined carbohydrates. And by refined carbohydrates, that would be things like bread and pasta and other things that have been processed um, as just a starting point. And if you do those three things, pretty much everything else is, is free ball. You know, but I've had, I've had dinner with Peter and I've seen him have a glass of red wine and I've seen him eat some bread, albeit not a lot. And occasionally I've seen him eat dessert. Um, so my, my suggestion is not that you try to do it perfectly, but see things as they are. And what that means is your diet should be heavy on vegetables and healthy fibers, um, moderate with regard to lean protein um, and fruits, uh, and exceedingly restricted with regard to processed foods, refined carbohydrates, added sugar, uh, and alcohol. And in fact, the book sort of outlines a very simple program that suggests, you you know, unlimited foods, limited foods and restricted foods. And you can build, build a, an eating plan from that quite simply. I also put in recipes, believe it or not, there, you know, you know, Mark, you know, I'm a cook. They're actually my recipes or in some instances, family recipes that have been adjusted, um, to be a little more healthy. Um, and they're all super easy because we're all busy people. So I, 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 I outline the truth, which is look, yeah, you should stay away from these things. And then my truth, which is I do not eat a perfect diet. I do eat some bread, you know, not a huge amount, but some. Um, I don't eat a lot of pasta. I try to stay away from added sugar but I, in, in normal foods, but I definitely eat dessert. Um, and uh, not, not every day, but most days. And I, then I train really hard and I recognize it isn't exactly optimal, but it's pretty good. Awesome. And uh, I think that's a fantastic overview and, and certainly a lot of kind of, I think a lot of wisdom in there and nuggets of uh, wisdom. And so kind of turning, I think this actually goes well with the next question. Like there's so many diets out there ranging from, you know, ketogenic to Mediterranean. A lot of people get very confused. We get so many emails to Boat Lean about all these various diets. I mean, 
you have any thoughts to share on that? Different diets do work for different people. And if you're, if you, if you want to lose weight, um, cutting out or restricting one food group is, is almost certainly going to work, which is why there's a debate between a low fat diet and a low carb diet. Both can cause you to lose weight. But what's really going on is you're just, you're, you're taking a food group away. And, um, and I'm not sure that is the healthiest way to go about things. There are certain people who can do really well on an ultra low carb or keto diet. I train in a way that I simply have to have carbohydrates and most athletes need carbohydrates. And if you want to build muscle, you need carbohydrates. The question is what kind of carbohydrates? They are not all the same. So, you know, a bag of potato chips has carbs in it. Um, so does a yam, a roasted yam. You know, I'd strongly recommend a roasted yam and I'd suggest you stay away from anything in a bag or, or in a box unless you're knowingly having it and that's your pleasure. And, you know, that's a choice you're going to make, sort of a different issue. But, you know, potato chips are not a food group. So I don't, I don't really believe in low-fat, ultra-low-fat diets. Um, I think we do need healthy fats. I do believe that, you know, you, you should restrict carbs that come in the form of processed foods or are refined, but I do not suggest that you try to eliminate carbs from your diet. And, um, and remember the goal here is to, is unless you're training for a show and that's a completely different discussion, right? right. Your goal here is, is to live a certain way. So having trained with you, Mark, you know, you look like your picture all of the time. That's what you look like. <laughs> not that's a really nice of me in my book. Not sure I look like that picture all the time. They'd have, to, they'd have to carry around some lights for me to look that way all the time. <laughs> Although it is not photoshopped, it is it's nicely lit. Um, but my goal is, you know, my goal is to walk around feeling good and looking my best. Um, and and we have to make certain choices in order to do that. But I I'm not training for a show, and I'm not being photographed every day. And I do I do want to have. A nice life and for me that includes a diet that has some things in it that no doctor would say you should eat a whole lot of i'm just i'm just trying to tell the truth and because the problem with most publications in this space is i think they offer people um they offer people things that just aren't realistic i know you don't believe in that and i don't believe in that um you, you are able to eat a very disciplined diet and follow a disciplined exercise schedule i eat a, mostly disciplined diet and follow a disciplined exercise schedule. Um, we all can be fitter than we were if we have been out of shape by making small incremental gains. We should look for progress, not perfection. Again, very well said. Um, let's shift to, you actually mentioned this just earlier in terms of the alcohol. And I, I was just thinking that's such a big topic for a lot of the guys I coach and, um, you know, just for a lot of the questions we get, it seems like that's a stumbling block for a lot of guys in terms of getting the results they really want or just kind of starting to get results. And I know you gave alcohol up about six or seven years ago. Um, can you just kind of talk about how you decided to do that? Well, I was, I only drank scotch. It was my drink of choice. And, you know, I, I decided that, you know, you have a couple of scotches a day, it's no big deal. But I realized that I was getting up at five in the morning to train at six and train pretty intensely. In fact, more and more intensely. And that became totally inconsistent with having a couple of stiff drinks the night before. And I reached the point of saying, listen, I, I got to be honest 
with myself and choose. Am I going to define myself as an athlete or define myself as someone who drinks scotch? And I decided to train to define myself as an athlete. Um, that is, it doesn't mean you need to do that or others need to do that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with moderate drinking. Although for those who say it's healthy, I, I'm skeptical. In fact, uh, a study was just published, I think it was in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, which is a massive um, meta study with like 600,000 data points in it that made the case very strongly that even a small amount of alcohol is not good for you. Not necessarily bad for you, but there are no health benefits related to alcohol. And I think in the fullness of time, that's going to become accepted and accepted truth. So those who think a couple glasses of red wine a day are good for you are just about as wrong as the doctors in the 1950s who recommended menthol cigarettes because they, quote, soothe your throat. Um, you know, it, it, the, I just don't believe it. But that doesn't mean in the same way I'm not prepared to tell you the chocolate layer cake is good for me, but yet, you know, I'm still not prepared to give it up entirely. The, that's, I, I never really thought about it like that. And by the way, I didn't even know that about the cigarettes. I'd never heard of that. That's really scary, actually. <laughs> scary. I, I guarantee you the same conclusion is going to be reached about alcohol. But again, it's personal choice. The truth, though, is if you're doing what I was I was probably consuming 800 calories of alcohol a day, um, 700 calories a day, all of which metabolizes to sugar. Right. I mean, that, that just, you are just not going to get the results you want if you're putting that in your body. But if you want to go out on Saturday night and have a couple of drinks, you know, have that. I don't feel the same way about cigarettes, by the way. I do not think you should go out Saturday night and have a couple of cigarettes or, or vape or anything like that. I, it's really bad for you. Okay, cool. No, I pre appreciate the thoughts. And, uh, and can you share your quick recommendations regarding kind of water intake and, and hydration maybe? Drink huge amounts of water. Um, and you know that to be the case right. as well. Of course. When I get in the morning, first thing I do when I get out of bed is drink about 16 ounces of water. Drink a lot of water with every meal. Uh, if I'm feeling hungry and I think I may eat some stuff I probably shouldn't eat, I'll have a huge glass of water first and then I'll have something because uh, it takes the edge off your appetite. Certainly, if you're training, you need to have a lot of water. Um, I always have a glass of water on my desk. Um, it is a great way to, first of all, just stay healthy and stay looking good. It's good for your skin. It's good for your entire body. It keeps everything running properly. It's also a great way to curb your appetite if you need to. I love it. That's exactly what I recommend. I think it's a really great recommendation. Um, and so let's kind of shift to lifestyle now. And I think, you know, the, the, the following question is, I think, a burning question many, many people have. And that's, you know, you seem to do the impossible every day by having so many competing demands with business, fitness, friends, family, et cetera. What's your philosophy or, uh, on productivity and work-life balance? I think everyone can have three or four priorities in life. And if you think that you can be all things to all people at all times, you're kidding yourself. You know, there's this, this uniquely American fantasy of having it all. And uh, it's sort of reflected in, you know, television commercials where you see, you know, the super mom and the super dad and the beautiful children. And, uh, and they're doing absolutely everything. And then they're still smiling and upbeat at the end of the day. And that's not true for most of us. You know, most of us have a lot of competing demands and it can be very difficult to fit into those competing demands, you know, appropriate exercise or even, you know, having time to make 
healthy food as opposed to running out for something quick to eat. Um, so I, I believe that one has to own your priorities. And that means certain things won't get the attention you might like them to get. For me, priorities are my family and my friends, my work, fitness, and mentoring and charitable activities. And if you think about it, that, that leaves a lot of things off the list that I, that I like, but just aren't my priorities. For example, I really like um, museums. Um, I, like, I like movies. I like television. Um, I just don't go to museum, museums or watch movies or television shows as much as I'd like because it's not a primary priority for me. So I don't know that it's, my life is so balanced. I think it is. I understand that one has to make a choice, and I've made those choices. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed because I have some resources and I, I run my own business. So I think those choices are easier for me. And I don't mean to imply that everyone has a flexibility. But when people say, as they sometimes do, well, of course, you know, you're in good shape because you're CEO of a company and you have money and um, you can hire great trainers and, you know, you have time, you know, at your disposal. My response is, well, okay, you say that, but... How much time did you spend watching television or having cocktails in the last month? And how much money did you spend on drinks or, you know, movies, for example? And there's nothing wrong with any of that. You should feel free to do it. But for most everyone, um, you would have the ability to join Planet Fitness or Blink for under $20 a month and find, you know, two hours a week across three sessions to get some exercise. Cause that's really all, you know, that's all the built lean program asks of you. Right. Absolutely. Um, and you, you also talk about the importance of kind of what you want. And I think that also has to do with the priorities. You just want to kind of clear that up for people. Right. They, you know, when, when people talk about anything in life, whether it's a job or a relationship or health and wellness. I think you, you have to back up the conversation and say, what is it that you're really trying to achieve here? What are your actual goals? And I believe in writing down those goals. Actually, there's a section of the book where you can write down your goals. And I have. I, my goals are keep them with me written down in my, uh, in my iPhone, in the notes. And um, first of all, by writing down goals, we tend to see them for what they are. And if they're unrealistic, we they embarrass us when we take them off. Right. <laughs> they are realistic more likely to comply when we write them down. So the first thing is, what are you really trying to achieve? And then are you prepared to do it? What I say is, look, write down the goals and then why don't you see what you're doing in a month? And if you're not acting in sort of service of those goals within a month, well, then either take the goals off the list or change your actions, one or the other. Fantastic. Um, and let's kind of talk, uh, kind of some of the nitty gritty, like how much sleep do you get per day? when do you wake up and go to sleep? Well, I try to get seven plus hours a day. I think mean, there's a lot of evidence that seven to eight hours is healthy during the week. It's usually, you know, six and a half to seven. Okay. On the weekends, I'll catch up a little bit or I'll nap. Um, I don't believe that it's a good idea to sleep a very short amount of time. It, it makes you crazy and unhealthy. There is a very small subset of the population who are indeed short sleepers who actually only can and need, you know, can sleep three or four hours a day and really only need that. But it's like 1% of the population. 
And most people who aren't getting enough sleep really pay a price for it in productivity, mood, and health. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in getting enough sleep. And when I, if I cut it down more than six and a half, and even that's a push for more than one day, it's a problem. I try to get to bed before 10 o'clock. I don't always succeed. That irritates my wife who likes staying up later. And most mornings during the week, I'm up at five because I train at six. Saturday, on Friday mornings, I get up an hour later at six to train at seven. And on the weekends, I'm usually up by somewhere between 6.30 and 7.30. So for me, that constitutes sleeping in. Awesome. And uh, in the book, you mentioned you do prayer and, and you kind of talk about meditation a little bit uh, in the morning for three to five minutes. Um, I was curious, like, you know, why you do this or if you can kind of talk to people about why you do this. I think all lives are benefited by having a um, spiritual component. And I think we all have to define that for ourselves. For some people, it can mean formal religion that doesn't really resonate that much with me. Um, for other people, it's meditation. And for some people, from like me, it can be prayer. Uh, I, I like the notion of acknowledging that um, your span of control is you know, sort of the, the, your wingspan when you hold your arms out to the side and everything else is outside of your control. And I think prayer and meditation acknowledge the distinction between what we can do, um, the actions that we can take, the goals that we have, uh, the things we can affect, and that which is outside of our purview that we can't affect. Um, and you don't have to believe in magic or in a, you know, a particular supreme being to acknowledge that you know, the universe will operate um, whether you like it or not outside of your actions. And my prayer involves you know, um, sort of trying to align myself with the universe, not trying to get the universe to align itself with me. So I find that morning prayer is a way of um, acknowledging the reality of distinction between actions and outcomes on the one hand and a form of listening to what is outside of me um, and, and making peace with the fact that I, I will make or hope to make my best efforts for the day, but I cannot control the outcomes. And um, that's been a huge journey for me. Um, and for me now, it starts with morning prayer. Uh, as I said, and that's not for everyone, and I don't expect it to be. I think some quiet contemplation every day is a recipe for for good health and good mood. I think that's fantastic advice, and I, I hope certainly all of our listeners take heed of it. And I appreciate you being so honest and you know forthcoming, you know not only in this podcast but also in the book as well, um, which I think is like a tell all. Um, and you know, I think I think it's important for our listeners to understand that you have quite a large network outside of just business and family, but also in the fitness world. And you take it very seriously. And can you share your thoughts on kind of building a tribe? Building, sorry? Building a tribe. I'm sorry, building a tribe. Well, part of it is you just have to be prepared to be rejected. So, um, you know, you have to, you have to like let go of the embarrassment of people not, not responding when you reach out. So I have sort of, I have two tribes in fitness. You, you alluded to one. One is the program, which is our, the morning crew that I train with. Right. And that came together very organically here in New York um, with a bunch of, of, of 
men and women, mostly in their 20s, mostly former varsity athletes, some professional athletes who train together doing different things every morning. Right. Uh, this morning I did a uh, indoor cycling class at Swerve. Yesterday I did hot power yoga at Pure East here in New York. Tomorrow I'll be at Trooper Fitness with Flex Cabral. I know him. <laughs> On Friday I'll be at my gym. And each morning is with somewhere between 10 and 25 of our, of our crew. And that came about just by beginning to train with other people and inviting other people to come. You can do it anywhere. Uh, there's no money involved. It's very inexpensive uh, to do this. And um, if you don't want to be inside a gym or you don't have memberships, you can train outside or you can take a walk together. Um, but I, I love the program. Um, it's a great group of people. And we have a really great collective attitude. Um, there's no unpleasantness. Everyone's supportive. Um, of one another and everyone enjoys each other's successes. You know, I also tribe you alluded to it in the fitness community and I sort of, it speaks to, you know, our relationship as well, um, which, which only came about because when you sent me an email, I'd signed up for your outdoor fitness class and then we got rained out and you kindly sent me an email, uh, you know, presumably a form email that said, Hey, you know, if you can't make it, you couldn't make it for that class. There's another one in the state. And I wrote back and said, well, I don't know if I can do that, but I'd be, I'd be really happy to meet you. Why don't we get together for a workout? And you said, okay, I'm game. And doing that, you know, I've met, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've met in the fitness business from whom I've learned and who've expanded my life. Now, not everyone responds that way. I'm, I'm sure I've, you know, been the, uh, the unlucky um, recipient of uh, plenty of, you know, or not recipient specifically. I'm sure I've had plenty of my emails uh, right. deleted phone calls ignored. But, you know, I don't really focus on that. I like meeting people. I'm friendly and I love learning from people in the fitness community. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to meet someone, my attitude is, you know, reach out to them. And if they don't want to respond, you know, they don't have to. I don't believe in stalking people, you understand. Um, but I've met a lot of people um, who interest me just by reaching out and saying, I'd really, I'd really love to meet you. And I started doing it when I was really, really young. And I, I met all kinds of people that way. Now, I do believe that you have you can't overstay your welcome. You have to show up with something interesting and or amusing. Um, and you have to be respectful of, you know, of other people's boundaries. Um, but I can't tell you that the interesting people I've met in the last probably 10 years, it's been a lot of people in the fitness community. Fantastic, Strauss. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and how can people follow you or learn more about you? Well, if anyone has an interest, I'm on Twitter um, <laughs> okay. under my name, and I'm on Instagram also under my name. There aren't a lot of Strauss Elmics out there. You can also follow the program underscore NYC on Instagram, so you can see a whole bunch of uh, shirtless men and scantily clad women training together in the mornings, um, which irritates my wife no end. So there's that's an added benefit, and uh, and uh, you can you know you can see what we're up to. It's not always glamorous, but it but it does tell the story. Awesome. And uh, anything else we haven't mentioned that you'd like to discuss for a second? I think that, you know, the, the prescription is not um, how, how you can, you know, look 20 at 80 or how you can always be awesome or always, always feel your best. The prescription is that if you monitor your health, you get some exercise, you eat a, eat a reasonable diet and have some connection to others and some connection to the universe um, you can be your best self at any age. You don't need to be defined or limited by your age. Um, and 
that will help your health and happiness. And when you when you improve your health and your happiness, you you know what you're going to look your best too for what that's worth. And you may just hear people saying to you, "Wow, you know, you look amazing." Awesome. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you again, Strauss, for joining the Building Podcast and uh, sharing your thoughts. And I do, inc- and, I, and to our listeners, I encourage you to grab his new book, Becoming Agents, on Amazon. I think you'll really enjoy it. I absolutely loved it myself. And uh, I think that's it, folks. Thanks again.